Welcome to the Influence the City podcast, a podcast for leaders and aspiring leaders. In this episode, Gary West, CEO of GA West Company, and Travis Johnson have a conversation about faith, business, and mentoring next generation leaders. Gary West leads a large industrial construction company that he started in 1987. He shares how he navigated through successes and disappointments, including losing his son and son-in-law in a car accident. Join in for this conversation and allow your heart and mind be encouraged to do a little more with what you have to increase your impact and to expand your influence no matter what life brings. Welcome to the second episode of the Influence the City podcast. And today I'm really glad to have uh, with me Gary West, the founder and CEO of GA West Company. Gary, it's great to have you here with me today. Good to be here. Hey, listen, why don't you guys, uh, before we get started up, make sure that you share this podcast with a friend. Use that link on whatever uh, podcast platform you're on. Uh, share that. Uh, give us a really great uh, five-star rating that'll help bump us up there and continue to expand our reach. And then also check us out on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Parler. And we'll uh, stay rolling with you as we go. We've got some really wonderful episodes coming up, uh, both from the Influence the City uh, conference and then some other guests that you're really gonna um, that you're really gonna love. So, uh, with that said, I'm gonna jump in here and and uh, just say a good welcome to Gary. Gary, thank you so much for taking time to hang out today. Appreciate the invite. Now. Um, tell me a little bit about what you do. You're, of course, you're in um, in, constru- in construction. You you started a business with a, a, a little loan and, and a whole lot of hustle. Um, how long has that been since you've started? Um, and how have you gotten to the place that you're at right now? Uh, we started in 1987 um, with a $13,000 loan. So that's been a, it's been a pretty good journey. Um, Typically run about 900 to 1,000 people. We're down right now, but it's, uh, it's been a good journey. Now, I heard there's a little <clears throat> pandemic going on, so yeah, I'm sure you've little, been just, navigating. Just, just, it's just touched us a little, knocked us about in half, but we're, we're, we're crawling our way back. So, uh, and then tell me uh, just really quickly, what kind of construction do you do? We do industrial work, so it's industrial construction maintenance. Um, only uh, what I call hard, ugly heavy stuff you know the pretty stuff everybody else gives but <laughs> we uh, we concentrate on mills and plants and uh, that type of heavy machinery heavy piping heavy steel crane work um, maintenance site work civil mm-hmm. activities electrical work so it's uh, it's uh, a um, full range of contracting services mm-hmm. we provide and so you do that you have uh all kinds of different trades you're working with, people. We do. You're doing sales, you're estimating, um, you're taking care of families, you're doing life with people. We are. And then I hear you're a Christian as well. You love Jesus yeah, a little I, bit. I, I do. I do. I depend uh, on him. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I'm in ministry. Yeah, I'm a pastor. Uh, you're in ministry. And you lead a construction uh, business uh, with about 900 to 1,000 employees generally and uh, working all over the United States. But our calling, our calling would basically be the same. We have people that we influence, people that are around us, and we give our lives to them and hopefully reflect uh, Christ. Right, I think you're in a constant mentoring uh, position. If you're in leadership, you're constantly mentoring. And everything you do, uh, sometimes it gets tiring. 
being in leadership. You wish you wasn't uh, for just check out for a few minutes so you wouldn't be so analyzed every move you make. But you're flying a standard. You know, if you say you're a Christian, then you are held to a certain standard and you have an expectation from your crew, from your co-employees, from your competitors that you operate with integrity and, and follow those principles. That, that expectation is there and, and with that comes a natural mentorship. Um, you just constantly are mentoring people. They're mentoring you. That iron on iron mm -hmm. polishing takes place every day. So, you know, I watch, I watch you and, and uh, you know, some lessons you get face to face and you're talking. A lot of lessons you pick up are shoulder to shoulder. They just kind of rub off. Um, I, I like to think of a picture of like a bunch of teenage kids walking through a mall. They're all different, but you notice they walk the same, have the same language, dress the same. Uh, we can't help it uh, by being around one another that you tend to pick up the characteristics of the people that are that are close to you. I agree. And we mimic we mimic each other. You know, it's uh, just a piece of it. <clears throat> Our, the way we phrase stuff. I told my daughter when she started into a similar business that. Uh, the way we phrase things, our glossary, you know, was really unique. And I think as you work with people, that not only impacts your glossary and how you phrase and word things, but how you think, how you look at problems is, is all kind of funneled together. Not only our walk, you know, the way we mm -hmm. react to things, but um, the way we observe and address problems. And I think that kind of separates people is how we address problems. Mm -hmm. You know, when I think of, of Gary West, I, you know, I think of somebody that is uh, you know, strong, strong. Um, you know, when I watch like an outdoor adventure show, you know, I'm thinking Gary West. When I'm reading, um, oh, what's it, John Eldred's book, Wild uh, Yeah, Wild at Heart, and he's describing trekking across the West, stalking some elk somewhere. I'm thinking uh, that's Gary, you know. You, to me, you're like this renaissance man that can just do anything. You know, you well, can be comfortable in a boardroom. You can be kind with your family. And then, you know, you can go out, kill something, drag it back to the cave, cook it and eat it and feed everybody. Well, I, I think um, early on before I really dedicated my life to, to, to living for Christ and for um, trying to, to strive to be better tomorrow than you were today, mm -hmm. um, I felt like Christians were boring, you know. I mm -hmm. felt like Christian life was very uh, constrictive and uh, didn't allow us to, to be um, courageous or brave or adventuresome. And I think that, you know, as I've grown into it, I think Brother Mike early on kind of showed the way that you could have fun and mm -hmm. still be a Christian. You can be adventuresome and still be a Christian. And I think, too, um, when we really accept what the Bible tells us about having a numbered day, mm -hmm. you can kind of quit worrying about that numbered day, you know, because mm -hmm. he's got it figured out. Mm -hmm. It's not on us to worry about uh, what day we leave this planet and enter eternity. He's already got that. That's already scripted. That's wrote into our book. And um, so it frees us up and allows us to have adventure within the Christian, you know, because, I mean, look, you can go and have a lot of adventure and not do anything that the book prohibits right and um and that's what i try to do and i think he he and I, I just think heaven's gonna be adventuresome i just right. do i think he knows so you don't see us sitting on I'm fluffy be, pillows and i'm not gonna be on a cloud yeah. with a harp i don't think so yeah i think i'll be deployed to a problem <laughs> it's like you did a good job with problems so here's a few more 
But uh, I think that he, uh, he created us in his image, and he's the master problem solver. So, so now you mentioned uh, Brother Mac, Pastor Mac, Pastor Henry McDuffie. Right. And uh, so he's a key figure in your life and your development, he, your he spirituality. Was, uh, my dad, my father-in-law, and Henry, at a, at, when I was in my 20s, mm. Pastor Mac just jumped in there and, and grabbed me by the nap of the neck and said, you're going to be a leader. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he was a strong leader. And he, uh, but he never lost his manhood. You know, a lot of people think when you become a Christian, you quit being a man. You know, and my brother Mike never did. He just mm -hmm. always was a man, and uh, took on hard decisions, took on hard uh, arguments at times, and uh, handled them with firmness and graceful. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, I just at that point I needed that. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad was more quiet, and uh, and I, brother Mike kind of was that early spiritual father I needed, that mm -hmm. mentor mm -hmm. to me at that point. And, uh, and I know he's, you know, way up in age now. God's allowed him to stay, but uh, I still think of him a lot in a fond way. So I think of Pastor Mac as an old lion. In, in yeah. fact, the last time he, he was at church. Uh, so, you know, I pastor Pathway Church uh, here in Mobile. Uh, Gary's a part of the church and a really great part of our church. And, uh, our mutual friend, Pastor Jerry Lawson, came down to speak, and uh, Jerry had been Pastor Mac's youth pastor. And so, you know, for Pastor Mac to get out of the house, it's a pretty extraordinary amount of work at this point in his life. And so he came in, and, you know, he's sitting on the front row. Not everybody can see who's on the front row. So when I introduced, when I recognized Pastor Mac uh, was in the house, I said, we have a we have an old lion of Pathway Church here, and a, just this kind of standard bearer that really helped to set DNA that we're still reaping the, the benefit of that today. Probably one of the most brave people um, as far as, you know, a lot of us talk about doing things on faith, and, mm -hmm. but then we go into this analytical mindset that, hey, I gotta get all the dominoes lined up just perfect, you know, before we mm -hmm. pull the trigger to do this. And you remind me a lot, Brother Mac, and that, that he would just step out. He'd say, Lord's gonna provide, and, I'm gonna take the first step and he's gonna slide his hand under my foot before I fall and, and, and he would just step out. And that was fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And it was probably um, later on when I went in business, it was probably a good memory to have mm -hmm. tucked in your mind that God could step in front of your failure mm -hmm. and uh, prevent it if, if it so would be his will. But he would just step out. I mean, he, he would, he'd say, we're gonna build this building, get over and start laying out the lines. <laughs> I said, where's the money? He said, it'll be here. You know, so hey, it was fun. It was fun to watch. Him. I think of that uh, mentality. Um, but the, the picture that comes to my mind is somebody that takes like the keys to the car and throws it out into the lake and say, okay, now we have to go get it. And mm -hmm. the conditions cause everyone to rise to the challenge to take that, uh, take that swim. He made you... Um, <laughs> I always said he's the best delegator. I mentioned to him that another church had a uh, men's breakfast each quarter for the men to come in. He said, that sounds like a great idea. You're the chairman of the board when we're eating. <laughs> you know, I mean, he just, he, uh, he would not let a, a good idea go without delegating it and getting it going. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that. I watched him carefully mm -hmm. and um, learned a lot from him. That, that is, so, you know, I've heard the phrase, um, that experience is the best teacher. Mm -hmm. 
but I don't think that's the case. I see a lot of people repeating the same experiences over and over and never learn from it. I think of evaluated experience as the best teacher. I, think, I try to tell people, don't bust your head on a wall that somebody's already busted their head on. Mm-hmm. You know, just try to learn from other people's mistakes. And if we learn from everybody else's mistakes, then you know, we, we'll progress. And then if we learn from their courageous moves and actions mm-hmm. and, their, and their calculated risk taken, then that also propels us. Um, I think we're all born with a book of mistakes to make, mm-hmm. and if we quit flipping the same page over and over and over, we'll progress through it, and eventually I'm have a few pages left. So I think um, watching Brother Mac progress through the church growth was good, and we made mistakes, and um, hopefully the church has benefited from those mistakes later. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but he, he really. He really was courageous. He would just pull the trigger and we'd start a project. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, we're talking about Pastor Mac and this wake that he had. And then, you know, you're back in that, um, you know, kind of drafting back, you know, you were in your 20s and now you're like in your 30s. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, actually, when Brother Mac um, put me on the board at the church, I was like 28. And, um, went in business shortly thereafter. I went in business when my daughter was two months old, almost mm-hmm. two months old. And my son was about three years old. And I uh, had a car note and a house note, didn't have any money. And uh, But Brother Mike was very encouraging. He mm-hmm. said, you know, the Lord's giving you a gift and, and it's up to you to use it and apply it. And, you know, he'll bless you. And then he, he, you know, and he did. So it was almost prophetic when he said it. But I think, um, you know, looking back on it, I look at the 28-year-olds and the 26-year-olds, and my daughter's now 33, and I think, man, that was a young punk back then. <laughs> <laughs> Who would give that guy a job? But uh, it worked out, you mm-hmm. know. But it's been a long trail. I've been in business for, um, I guess, what, 33, 33 years now. So when I when I thought about us having this conversation, I think this is the thing that I was really hoping for is the um, – the relational aspect of, you know, you said mentoring. Um, and I don't think anybody's necessarily thinking of it as mentoring. It is, but it's just life and being caught up in the flow of someone that has been where you haven't, that you aspire to go and, uh, having courage lent to you, uh, being able to see how to do things, having your mind expanded, believing that you can do more than what you are doing. That's really what I think of when I think of Gary West. And so to see that generational, you know, there's Pastor Mac, and there are other leaders in your life uh, as, as well. But then to see, you know, people coming into their own and developing, like for the first time, the first time you and I met, um, I immediately thought that Gary is the kind of person that I want to be in my son's life because of how transferable relationship is. It just is. And, you know, who you're with influences you and it changes the course of your life. And I think for anybody that's listening right now, there's in in my mind, there's just gold in uh, a relationship that can help you uh, think, believe, hope bigger and not come to a place in your life where you say, you know, I'm just going to I've had enough pain. I'm not going to take any more. I'm just going to settle in for where I am. If we believe that God has a purpose for us and that we want to live to that highest redemptive potential you know that we could experience i think that we're all in some kind of role i've told people before that certain people in a father role 
a brother role or a son role. And I think we can all be in the same one with the same person. I could um, sit under you and you're my father spiritually. And then there's times when we shoulder the load, brother the brother, side by side. And then there's other times when I'm in a mentoring role, maybe I'm exposing a truth I learned earlier that you haven't encountered yet. So I think you're swapping roles all mm -hmm. the time with each individual. You know, in the work environment, you're still doing that. You know, and I don't go to work and just wear them out with prayer and with preaching and, and all that. But they watch your decision-making process. They watch how you handle problems. They watch things coming into your life. And um, so you are a living, breathing example of um, how a Christian encounters life, be it good, bad, or indifferent, every day. So that's, you're their book, you know, and if they're enticed, uh, yeah, we do, you know, pray over safety meetings. We pray in certain um, events. Uh, a lot of our safety meetings on the job sites each morning I have nothing to do with, but I'll go to one on occasion mm -hmm. and they'll be praying at the safety meeting. So um, we know that there's a higher power. And I think that um, to a young person going in business, and I, you know, everybody's, <laughs> my daughter's asked me, just, you need to write a book on everything you've been through, so I won't have to go back through it. But a lot of it is God gives us independent talents. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's talented equally. You know, we, we, we like to think that everybody is, but they're not. I'm not college educated, but God took me another route to get me where I'm at. And I think we just have to respect each other's route. But there is some common ground that's in the Bible mm -hmm. that if you follow it, you're going to get a similar result. Uh, it's going to be tied to your talent. It's going to be tied to your exposure, your historical timing. You know, there's, I went in business in 87 when you had Black Friday. It wasn't a really good year to go in business. And, um, but God blessed me even mm -hmm. through that. kind of mm -hmm. taught me early. You know, hey, you got to be tough. And, and um, so as when we hit storms later, I said, well, look, man, I started off and it was tough. You know, mm -hmm. so, uh, but I didn't pick to go in business. I just had an emotional <laughs> decision. Mm -hmm. I went to work at six and got in an argument with my boss at seven. I was unemployed. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we started. So went to the bank at nine. So Why didn't you go at nine after you got fired at seven? I had to seven. wait for an open. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't want to get there before they found out I didn't have a job. So, you know. But, um, but they, you know, they loaned me the money to get started initially. And then um, I drew unemployment. You know, as we got it for about six months till we got going. And um, my wife didn't like me going to business. Um, it was not a happy time for her. But um, the person she is, she supported it. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, it, it, later on she looks back and she said, well, you've had to go. You know, it was the mm -hmm. thing that had to happen. But at that moment, it wasn't pleasant for her because, mm -hmm. you know, she wanted security and here I am. I said, well, I can always dig ditches. I can make it, you know. But, she, uh, you know, after t a time, all that went away. You know, I think it, looking at Gary West, it would be easy to say, man, that's, it's amazing what you do. I mean, really, I'm amazed at what you do, what you're capable of. You know, the life, um, you know, the life that you live is really rare air. You know, there's not a lot of people that get to do what you're doing. And so looking at that, I think it's easy for somebody to say, well, yeah, that's great for, for Gary, he can, you know, God's really blessed you and prospered you, but probably shouldn't look at Gary's life like a picture, like take a picture in this moment because your life is a lot more complex 
than that, and it hasn't been easy. No, it's not. It's not a. a um, I always say, you know, I've have several different chapters of life that I've lived, and. Um, 1992, I've been in business five years. My wife developed a tumor in her left lung, lost her left lung. Um, you know, there I am with a five and eight year old, um, and she's in a hospital in Birmingham having her lung removed, and um, which I'm there with her at that mm -hmm. time, but I'm mm -hmm. driving back and forth trying to keep the kids in school, and it's just a real, um, you know, because you prayed for a wife. I needed a wife. Um, I'm not one of those guys that can go solo in life. I needed a wife, and I needed the stability she brings into me. And um, to think I prayed for one, and now she's you know got a tumor in her lung, size of a you know a tennis ball, and so that was tough. And then um, 2003, she um, developed breast cancer on the opposite side, and um, that lung back to me, and it was all fine, and, and, and went on. And then you got things at work that are happening. And then in 2008, I lost my son and my son-in-law in the same car wreck. My son had been married 13 months, and my son-in-law and my daughter had been married 11 weeks. Uh, two beautiful weddings, uh, just a, just a gut-wrenching uh, blow. Um, and so, you know, you go from this uh, Christianity that you think, okay, God's blessing my every step, to where are you, God? Mm. Um, what am I supposed to learn out of this? What am I supposed to get out of this? Um, and Alan and I was, my son and I were really close. My son and mm. I were really close. Um, so, you know, my wife had, had a tough, you know, she lost her grandfather for cancer, her grandmother for cancer. She lost her mother from cancer, brain cancer. And then she's had two episodes. Now she's lost her son and her son-in-law. And uh, so, I'm pretty tough, but Benita's, whew, she's a whole grade ahead of me. She's really tough, uh, resilient, just just mm -hmm. able to bounce and stretch. But, uh, you know, work has been, uh, you're going to have things at work. You know, we wrestle with work. Anytime you grow in a business, you're going to encounter uh, new obstacles, mm -hmm. uh, new competitors, new opportunities, uh, new chaos. And, uh, but personal life is... It's one of those things, you know, and I think because I was a Christian that knew scripture, I knew God had uh, the keys to death, hell, and the grave, that he had to allow it. And that was real hard as a Christian to uh, come to terms that he had allowed that because I felt like I had served him well, mm -hmm. you know, so you kind of got checkmated and, you know, the dark side comes in and says, look, he doesn't love you, he doesn't respect anything mm -hmm. you ever did, he doesn't care how you conduct your business or your life. Um, you know, none of that matters. So you fight through that, you know. And um, I had a, another you know, pastor friend tell me, he said, I said, man, I just don't even feel like a Christian. He said, just fake it. He said, till the feeling comes back. He said, it'll come back. So I felt like during those times, we kind of almost faked sanity. I almost mm -hmm. felt like I was, uh, I'd lost my mind when I lost those boys. Mm -hmm. and, uh, because everything I had thought was going to happen in my future just melted. Mm -hmm. I told somebody it was like you painted all your life on a frosted windshield and the sun came out and it just mm -hmm. melted and run away. And mm -hmm. yeah, no, that's kind of, you know, um, you you get a, a whole new kind of uh, relationship with God. It's not a lot of lace. Mm 
Mm. It's a it's a lot of backbone and and just respecting his authority over our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, because if he's in charge, you still got to come back and land on that numbered day. You know, he he knew he was going to take those boys that day, and um, and he knew that uh, I was going to react just like I reacted, and uh, you know he decided to do it. So that was, you know, in spite of all the accolades, you know, I don't you think we should ever covet what another man has. But uh, when you look at us as an organization or as a family, you can't discount the pain that, mm-hmm. that went through. And you'll see that a lot when you read about a lot of families, they all have pain that they had to overcome. When I, when I think of you, I think of somebody that invests himself you know, you were invested in Allen. You know, you're invested in Leslie. And, you know, we've had some conversations where you're reflecting back on losing Allen. And I know you're passionate. I know you're, there's, there's no dimmer switch on your life. It's on or it's off. So you withheld nothing. And then when this person that you love so much carries your DNA, carries your heart, is navigating through his own life and is um, knowing Jesus and the, the transference of these values are taking root in his life and you're just stepping back and you go, man, it's just getting just like I want it. And then that is, is gone. Then what I've seen, and I, now of course I wasn't, I wasn't in your life at that season, but what I have seen is I've seen you making that same kind of investment in other young leaders. Just It's just in you. You can't stop it. I think... Um yeah, and I prayed about it. And I mean, you know, it's just uh, when I got where I could pray, um, I prayed and prayed and prayed. Mm-hmm. I think, um, if anything, I learned during that season, sometimes we're pruned back mm-hmm. uh, to give a better yield. And um, I invested a lot in those two boys. I would be investing a lot into them today. Uh, maybe, you know, uh, Leslie always says that I look at things in earthly eyes and God looks at them in heavenly eyes and, and I need, I can't see his view so I don't know what his view was at that day or that moment but um, I feel confident in my prayer life that he's given me other sons mm-hmm. you know, other um, and probably other daughters beyond Leslie that I can mentor and, and interact with and be a part of through business or through church or through family, but um, I think if you have that and God wants it shared, then He's gonna figure mm-hmm. out a way to get it shared. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and, and and we're all stewards with our gifts. You know, and we can we can hoard them and we can hide them or we can and we can put them out there. And um, there's some people that um, I would love to share with that can't. You know. Uh, because they're not receiving it. And then there's others that are thirsty for it. So it's just like I was thirsty mm-hmm. for it. And I still am. You know, and I tell them, I said, we're going to learn from each other till the journey's over. And that's, that's a key ingredient for me is to continue to learn, even at this age. Mm-hmm. And I learn from people as I share with them. You know, it's just part of it. But uh, that, um, that investment into people is, you know, it's, it's a... I don't think you feel the satisfaction of doing it. I think it's just a completeness. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think you say, oh, man, that was great to invest into that person. I think it just completes you as a person. Mm-hmm. I think it's just part of what you do every day, and mm-hmm. you don't even realize it. And I think that's in us from day one, but day as one. we get older, 
it feels more pronounced. And um, I think so. Oh man, what is the author's name? But uh, it talks about the the, the uh, transition you go through, uh, moving from su- success to significance. Mm-hmm. And recognizing that it doesn't matter what you produce if it's not getting legs in other people and you're not changing the world. When I think of Pathway Church, I think of Mobile, I think of your reach elsewhere. Like if you pull Gary West out, all those environments are different. I think that's one of the things about influence the city and, and something that I've grabbed a hold, uh, hold of with my life in Jeremiah 29 where you know Israel is going into captivity in Babylon and they're told while in exile to... Uh, prosper, to build homes, to plant gardens, to get married, to have children, to work for the prosperity of the city mm-hmm. that they're in captivity to. Right. Because the, as the city prospers, then we prosper. And to think of each one of us and the people that are listening and participating right now, that we have a role that's much bigger than just us. It's not about what we can get, how we can succeed. But God has a plan, a master plan, and he calls us to be co-laborers with him. That, that would be my hope that, we, that that's what we're after. And it's not just leadership principles, how we can you know, live our best life or get, get the most that we can, but how can we um, ex- expand the kingdom of God, expand the gospel, and help people to walk in their purpose and their destiny. Hey, do me a favor. Give, share some Gary-isms with me. You, you've got things mm-hmm. that you say they just kind of rip off your tongue and uh, roll out of your heart. They're, they're kind of like spontaneous combustion. I, I can't know. Uh, they just, I visualize stuff. So and I, I kind of speak what I... Uh, I think it's something that you say, <clears throat> you say, talking about leaders, um, you say some people are high traction mm-hmm. and some people are high compression. Yeah, I like But it's an awesome thing when they're... Both both high compression high traction explain that well you you know we work with heavy equipment and sometimes you can have a um, high compression engine but it's not getting the the traction it's not moving and um, because of everything not synchronized the gearbox and the the tracks and the you know spindles and everything's greased and and you just you can have this big engine sitting there going nowhere so it's good to see when you have a high compression engine in Mm -hmm. a person Mm -hmm. And then they're actually getting that compression to the ground, getting traction, pushing, and making things happen. So, I'm, like again, I visualized that in my mind is, you know, that's what I'm looking for. So big ideas don't matter if they don't have systems that'll drive them. If you don't, if you don't, if you can't put your idea into some kind of practice, then it's always just an idea. Mm-hmm. So you have to get it going. And sometimes uh, we look for a perfect start to an idea mm-hmm. to get it going and while other people are passing us you know I think you know Patton said that you know a good plan today is better than a perfect plan tomorrow let's mm-hmm. make it happen mm-hmm. you know and I think that's kind of the way we run the business we we want a good plan we want a perfect plan but we're going to take the best we have at the moment and implement it push it out and make it go and make it happen uh, and we don't like to uh, celebrate success you know, till we've conquered our problems. Mm-hmm. So our problems are uh, are on the table first. They come to me. I say, look, tell me your problem first. You know, we can see we can all you know celebrate success, but give me your problem. Let's work on the problem, and then later on we all you know celebrate. But uh, I think that's kind of how we look at life. Just the bottleneck through problem solving until as fast and efficiently mm-hmm. and as harmless as we can 
Safety is a very, it's a big it, it, value it is, of GOS. It is, it is. We don't want anybody to go home differently than they came in. So we, you have that always hovering in the background. You know, I was talking to Leslie this week and we were just talking through um, something that she was working on and she said the most important thing to her is to get people home the way they arrive. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's, I thought, man, that sounds like Gary. Yeah, well, she's, she's going to exceed me um, for lots of reasons, but um, safety is the key mm -hmm. ingredient to our customers and then to the families. And one reason that we do well is because we have a lot of family-centered individuals, mm -hmm. being they are Christian or not a Christian, they're, they're, a lot of them are, are centered on their family and mm -hmm. providing for their family. And so we want them to go home to that family. You know, we don't want them to sacrifice, um, you know, anything mm -hmm. to, to make a living. And so we, you know, we, we push that piece of the puzzle hard as we can. And it's a never challenge. It's a never ending challenge. You'll be wrestling with the safety giant mm -hmm. forever and ever. Mm -hmm. You know, I say you never re really whip him. You just get him in a bind, hold him down uh, because you're coaching human nature. Mm -hmm. uh, human nature wants to break the rule. Human nature wants to. Um, not always abide by policy and procedure. Mm -hmm. And so you're constantly trying to wrestle with human nature to keep them safe. Mm -hmm. so. When I think about how you lead, um, you know, you and I have not really just talked about this, but I think of you and GA West wanting to be like an employer of choice, the the place that everybody wants to be. Well, you're, you're I always tell people that we're the marble between two bowling balls, okay? We're the connecting dot between world-class workers and world-class clients. And uh, we put policy and procedure and, and, um, together, but then we're still constrained by the market. Mm -hmm. So you can't um, offer more perks, more benefits, more vacation, more health insurance than the market will allow you mm -hmm. to offer and still get to work. So it's a real delicate balance in that. Mm -hmm. you won't to be the employer of choice. And I think in the construction industry that we serve, we are one of them, mm -hmm. uh, especially in the local industry. But, um, you know, it's, it's a balancing act. And that doesn't, especially right now, that doesn't just speak to compensation or perks, but it's the culture of your work environment. It's culture. And you know, we, we sent out a letter. We asked volunteers to take pay cuts. We haven't applied any of them, but it was, um, you know, we had a lot of people volunteering to take 40 and 50 percent pay cuts just to stay through this crisis. Mm -hmm. And um, we were identifying, you know, if things continue to deteriorate, where we'd have to, you know, um, cut in overhead and overhead in lieu of layoffs. And we did have some layoffs. And this would be going into the pandemic, mm -hmm. the pandemic, COVID-19. Right. So, right. you know, we, we basically, I, as the owner, sent a letter out and said, look, mm -hmm. you know, we're looking for volunteers to take a pay reduction before we do a cut. And um, the girl that opened the responses up, and she started crying, you know, she said, look, I, I'm just amazed by what they're willing to do to stay mm -hmm. on board and mm -hmm. see us through to the other side. And I think that's, which I tell people, I like to be a coworker. You know, I work, mm -hmm. I like to be a coworker. I don't like to be a boss. Um, I think if you can be a coworker and work alongside of them, then mm -hmm. it's easier for everybody. And I tell them, if I start micromanaging you, you're not going to be happy. Right. I'm not right. either. So we, we were full of a lot of self-motivated people. Mm -hmm. And they, um, they believe in the team mm -hmm. and they believe in the group. And 
and uh, we haven't had to take those cuts any further than just a, a thought, which I'm thankful for. Mm -hmm. uh, but we know, you know, who's willing to do whatever it takes to mm -hmm. stay, and and there's a lot of young, um, talented people that are involved with some of those leadership positions that have young families that, that depend on that income. Some of my older guys offered as well, and the ladies, but um, you know, some of them are near retirement. They're like, hey, you know, I don't need as much money, but some of these young families, mm -hmm. they're on tight budgets. Mm -hmm. So when they offer a cut, it's, it's pretty impactful. So, you know, and I guess maybe we can start to wrap up right here, but when I'm thinking about the culture that you create and the, the culture that I want to have for the church, uh, the culture that I want to have for people that work for me is I want them to know, especially in an environment like this, that we want to do everything that we can to create conditions where they're safe, they're honored, they're valued, they're taken care of. Of course, people have to make their own decisions too. Um, but I, I feel like those uh, decisions cost you something and they cost the organization something because it slows things down. It, it, encumbers a lot of things but the long-term impact of managing your work site so that they're uh, as safe as they can possibly be especially when you're working with heavy equipment and uh, yeah you might have to go a little bit slower it, it, we do I mean you, you build safety into everything and, and construction industry has been trying to be more productive but we we have to um, mandate certain policy and procedure and hazard awareness so that you know they complete this work without harm to people to the environment to the product that they're working on and um you know then you have to figure out how to estimate that lack of productivity mm -hmm. because you put in new constraints and um that's constant that's just mm -hmm. you're going to be doing that long after i'm gone from the planet mm -hmm. People are going to try to figure out how to make things safer and more productive right. at the same time. And like you said, they're they're um, constrained by both. They you are. know, they the are. the market dictates the certain market. things. That well, I always say, you know, in some bid list, the the winner of the bid is not the lucky guy. <laughs> you know, he's the unlucky guy. So um, it's just, um, you know. You're going to be figuring it out. Business is, is evolving in America. I don't know where it's going in the future, um, but it's it's harder and harder to um, attract. And, and um, we like to see people when they apply to us that they've been somewhere, mm -hmm. you know, and they've stayed there a little while. I've got a young guy I'm coaching a little bit, and I told him, I said, "Man, you've been everywhere, but you're only there a few months." You know, I said, "I want you to stay somewhere." And uh, get a little bit on your resume, two to three years at one spot, not six months, eight months, 12 mm -hmm. months. And I think if I was telling a young person uh, one thing to do to improve their marketability is stay somewhere a little bit of time. That way you've shown that you can stick it out when it gets a little tough. And um, in our group, I've got people who've been me 32 years, same employees. Mm -hmm. And um, they've shown they can stick it out because it hasn't been fun the whole time. And I think that's one of the things that this economy's doing is so transient. People can jump from piece to piece, place mm -hmm. to place, and um, they're not learning how to stick it out. And uh, there's a lot to be said for that, I think. Uh, I, th I think it was Spurgeon that said this. He said that uh, the way for a Christian cobbler or a shoemaker to be a Christian isn't to fix tiny little crosses on shoes, but it's to make the best shoes possible. 
and I think Dr. King said something similar, that if, if uh, you're, you're a street sweeper, be the best street sweeper that has ever lived. And I want to say thank you to you for really demonstrating and, and exemplifying what it means to be a Christian businessman and uh, to be a father, to be a husband, uh, as, as your pastor. Uh, thank, you, thank you for placing that in the culture of the church. You know, I think that people watch us more than we know that they do. And, um, you know, some of the best lessons I ever have gotten or were not taught to me. They're just caught. Uh, from watching and and like I think the word you used earlier was mimicking. Yeah. So we, we mimic. We will, hopefully we mimic good behavior. Yeah. But no. you mimic bad behavior yeah, too. You no do. Doubt. You do. No and and uh, I I think that um, if we can learn to to discern mm-hmm. the two, you know what's good and what's bad, and the Bible teaches us and takes us through that and teaches us, mm-hmm. then we can mimic mm-hmm. good behavior all the yeah. time. Well, thank you for doing that. Thank you for hanging out with me today. Thank you for being a part of the really the first interview on uh, Influence a City. Thank you for being a part of my life and this church family. Uh, thank you for, for being who you are, and I appreciate that. And you're a, a very unique, uh, skilled, crafted person, and uh, I'm glad that you're on God's team and working in Mobile. Yeah, I, I love it. I tell people all the time, if you can't get to heaven, get to Mobile. I do want you to get to heaven, but, man, this place is just incredible. I like Mobile. Really, I tried really to run away a couple it. times. I kept, <laughs> there's like a bungee cord was tied to me. The Lord knew I was coming here, so he kept you here for me. And uh, thank you for the friendship. I hope I hope that you've enjoyed yourself today on Influence the City podcast and that whatever it is that you're doing, that you continue to advance uh, your work, advance the kingdom, grow in influence. And let's continue to see what that God will use us. Let's give him the opportunity. Thanks so much for being with us. If you would take a second really quick, go ahead and share this podcast with a friend. Uh, give us a really great glowing five-star review on whatever rating platform it is that you have. And we'll see you again next time on Influence the City.